1: to Zero Pucks Given, the ice hockey podcast for Chelmsford Chieftains fans. This is episode 16. Thank you for joining me. Feature-length episode this week, so you've guessed it, jam-packed. Uh, we've got a full breakdown of the double game weekend as the Chieftains descended on hell to face the Devils and the Oxford City Stars visit the Riverside. Uh, since the release of the last episode, the Chieftains have parted company with head coach Mark Saunders. Results and performances had been poor of late and the 6-3 defeat to Invicta Dynamos was unfortunately the final straw. I'd like to personally thank Mark for all his work at the Chieftains, putting together a cracking roster and doing his very best to get them playing as a team. And for all his time that he gave to the podcast, I'd honestly wish him all the best for the future. There's, uh, there's no sort of news yet as to who will be the new permanent head coach. Saturday saw Dean Burrell behind the bench, while Sunday saw Anthony Leone, who declined to comment on, well, declined to comment on anything. <laughs> there's a and there's also a welcome this week to former Chelmsford Ice Hockey Academy player Megas Canis, who's rejoined the Chelmsford fold. We saw a little bit of him in the home games to Oxford on Sunday, but we'd expect to see more of him in the under-18s and the Warriors. Uh, also, on a slightly more sour note, there was some rumours circulating on social media of damage in the away dressing room at Solent at the weekend. Grant Barlett has advised that this is untrue, and our management have contacted Solent, who are looking into who made the false accusations. Uh, so that's the facts that we do have. So any sort of uh, talking about it on social media is, is pretty pointless, really, because the, the facts are have come from us that it was uh, untrue. So... We can leave them there. Right then, also, this episode is absolutely rammed with guests. Uh, we've got the Chelmsford Cobras and Pythons head coach, Shane Mead, who will join me to discuss women's hockey and the home doubleheader that the women's side have this weekend coming. Uh, and I've teased this one a lot over the last week or so. The Sheriff, Sean McMorrow, makes his zero-pucks-given debut, and that's a corker. And finally, Chieftains GB student player, George Gell, has returned from Lake Placid in New York and is jumping straight into the podcast to tell us all about that experience and his hockey career. But we will start with the final league game against Solent Devils this season, which is down at Planet Ice in Gosport. Saturday night, then down to the freezing cold planet ice in Gosport, and just the twelve players in the bench for the Chieftains. Dean Birrell in the bench for them as well, and uh, yeah, one netminder, eleven skaters, and what a fantastic performance that they really did put on. It was uh, it was a tight game to start with, but we did stop Solent having that little bit of home advantage where they normally push you very early and very quickly. Uh, but after, uh, I think, three minutes it was, Alex Murray did put the home side into the lead, assisted by Coleman and Pitts. But very shortly after, Grant Bartlett equalised with a typical Grant Bartlett smasher, uh, assisted by Ethan Reed. And just towards the end of the second, Ross Clark put us 2-1 up, smashing home from the slot, close range, assisted by Hitchings and Fillery. And the first ended at 2-1 to the Chieftains. Into the second, then, and quite early on, Dan Lackey got, got in and made it two-two, and Solent really then started to put the pressure on, going three-two up halfway through the period with Dan Lackey on the score sheet again. As it got as the game went on, it got quite scrappy. There was a lot of a uh, lot of dodgy decisions, not some calls not being called. Uh, Grant Bartlett was boarded in, well, boarded into the boards that, that gave him a sort of a, a facial injury that he had to come off with. It did go back on, but not even a boarding call for it. So, some yeah, some quite strange decisions. Uh, and then on 38 minutes, Sasha Moltsev finished off a fantastic move that ended up with a little bit of a goal mouse scramble. But he managed to tip the puck over the line and equalise on 38-55. As we went into the third, there was something extremely strange that happened as Solan attacked down their left. Forsyth had a shot across Luke to Sardry, which dinged the iron that everybody in the arena must have heard the ding but the light went off the buzzer went off and the goal was given and from where i was sitting on the away bench there's not really any way that the puck could have come out at the angle it did if it hit the net not entirely sure that one crossed the line it'll be interesting to see the the solent devils highlights i think they've got a behind the goal camera doing that there but 4-3 to the devils it was uh Didn't last long, though, as a minute later, Callum Burnett scored a fantastic goal, smashing in the near post from the right-hand circles, assisted by Pentecost and Grant Bartlett. With nine minutes to go, the Chiefs retook the lead 5-4 as Grant Bartlett got on the score sheet yet again, assisted by Pence and Fay, and the Chieftains were holding quite tight for nine minutes, but quite late, Solent come again. There was, again, another slightly dodgy call as there seemed to be a bit of interference on Luca Tassadri. His stick was knocked out of his hand. He was pinned against the frame of the goal. Ethan Reed gave him his stick to try and let, uh, sort of give him a helping hand in, in keeping the puck out. But unfortunately, Pitts managed to put it in for 5-5 five, five, and into overtime we went. A uh, minute and 27 into overtime as both teams were playing the patient approach and keeping the puck in the defensive zone, skating around looking for them two-on-ones. Until Liam Coleman broke through the lines. Took a nice path down the right hand side. cut inside, And smashed it top bins past Luca Tassadri. So really really fantastic performance from the lads. You know you can't can't complain about going down to Solent. The form they're in with 12 players. And taking a point. Um, and, a, and a sign that the performance was a hell of a lot better. And there was end product as well. So again not the result that the lads would have wanted. But. Certainly gaining some credit from that and looking forward to getting home to face Oxford City Stars on Sunday with a much larger bench. Sunday night's home game against Oxford City Stars saw some proper hockey tomfoolery during the warm-up with multiple players determined to be the last one on the ice. Pickering, Rayner and Tassadri were getting the psychological edge on Xander Wardlaw as he and Pickering launched pucks at each other from uh, either end of the rink. I might add, neither of them managed to score one. Uh, Many buzzers and many horns and even the MC intervening to get the lads off the ice and it finally finished with a rock-paper-scissors between Rainer and Wardlaw that saw the ice clear for the Zamboni. The psychological edge told just 22 seconds in as Grant Bartlett finished from a close, tight angle, assisted by Cam Bartlett. Five minutes later, and Fay and Pentecost combined again to feed Grant Bartlett, who smashed home to make it 2-0. On 8.01, Rainer took a very questionable high-sticks penalty, which was accidental, if anything, and possibly the Oxford player's fault but just six seconds into the power play, Dushnik pulled one back for the visitors. Seconds later, on 8.33, Cam Bartlett restored the lead to three unassisted. On 10.27, it was four after good work from Fillory and masterful work from the gorgeous specimen Matty Turner gave Ollie Baldock the chance to make it 4-1, which he gladly took. Oxford called a timeout, pulled their netminder, fearing the game was getting away from them. We had a little bit of 4-on-4 four four after Burnett and Hedges went medieval, slashing each other on 15-13, but the first finished 4-1. Chiefs started the second on the kill after Rayner received two for cross-checking in the last minute of the first, but the Chiefs managed to kill that penalty. On 31:02. Pickering took two for tripping, and on the power play, Dax Hedges made it 4-2. In the aftermath of the goal, there was madness that ensued and the refs spent quite a few minutes sorting the penalties out, as Cam Bartlett took two for interference and five for fighting. Dan Fay took five for fighting, although it was more pushy-shovey than fisty-cuffy. Hedges and Moody got five each for Oxford. Still on the power play, Oxford made it 4-3 when Oliver scored, and the game suddenly felt a lot less comfortable than it did. Didn't last long, though, as on 38-40, Callum Burnett hit an almost identical goal to his last two, Smashing high in the near post from the from the right circle, and the second finished 5-3. Into the third, and some power play chances for Oxford as Baldock, Clark, and Reed made separate trips to the box, but special teams held held firm. On 54:08, Grant Bartlett got his hat trick to make the score 6-3, and two minutes later, Fillery assisted Ollie Baldock for a lovely finish on 56:07, making it two for Baldock this week. On well, 59-23, the scoring was finished as Ethan Reed got a very well-deserved goal to make the final score 8-3. A great performance and a great win. A three-point weekend and both performances were vast improvements. Going to Solent with 12 players and taking a point is not to be sniffed at. And when you consider some of the officiating and the two goals that possibly shouldn't have stood, it could have been a lot better. But Sunday night was a really, really good performance Shame about conceding three on the power play. I'm sure that uh, Anthony Leone, who was in the bench on Sunday, won't be overly pleased about that. Um, but as I said, he declined to comment on, on just about anything. So let's, uh, let's get the rest of the results from the NIHL this weekend. <laughs> Other results in the NIHL 1 then. Uh, on Saturday, the Raiders Junior versus Invicta Dynamos game went to overtime after a 6 all draw, and Raiders took the point with a goal from TJ Anderson. Uh, Oxford's weekend on the road wasn't a classics for them. Before their defeat to Chelmsford on Sunday, they were defeated 6 0 by Slough Jets at the Hangar, Massey getting himself a shutout there. On Sunday, the Invicted Dynamos got themselves a road win 7 2 at MK Thunder. And the Raiders' trip to Streatham saw the league leaders take a 6-1 win at the High Road. Fixtures for next week then. Saturday the 4th of February, the Chelmsford Warriors are heading north to play the Peterborough Phantoms in the NHL 2. And Chelmsford Chieftains are away at the High Road against Streatham Hawks on Sunday the 5th of February. There is a coach running, so please email hello at ChelmsfordChieftains.com to book your place on that return trip if you are not travelling with the chieftains however there is some free ice hockey available on sunday evening as our ladies sides the chumpsford pythons and the chumpsford cobras have back to back home games from 4:55 p.m. on sunday versus oxford midnight stars and the mk falcons respectively and joining me now is the head coach of the ladies sides shane mead Uh, so, Shane Mead, uh, head coach of the Cobras and the Pythons. Thanks for joining me this evening, Oh uh, Evening, Ben. So you, you've had a busy evening already. you been on BBC Essex talking
2: yeah, about... That, uh, B- yeah, BBC Essex promoting. We've got a double header on Friday. Um, Pythons, 4.50 face-off. Then straight on to Cobras, uh, face-off 6.30, I believe, off the top of right my head. Man.
1: And I take it you mean Sunday, not Friday.
2: Yeah, Sunday. So <laughs> about... Ups- Ice hockey all the time, you know. It, it, it becomes it becomes your life. And you, you lose your marbles a little bit, don't you? It truly
1: is a seven-day-a-week sport, isn't it? In that fight for ice time,
2: yeah. it is. is that how
1: girl, are the girls? Are all girls quite excited about
2: it? Yeah, they're they're buzzing. Do you know what I mean they 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 like training's always good. They're always they just, everybody just wants to be involved, get to the game, smash the game. So it, you know they're, they're all in a good place. Like this is my first season jumping on board with women's hockey um i wouldn 't say it 's been a role coaster but it 's been it 's been up and down like um with ways of trying to try new things, trying to build new relationships with players obviously um having a man coach or women you expect there is a little bit of a difference well I think, but you know I work well with the team players they 're very the thing I like about the girls is they say what they they mean do you know what i mean it 's like yeah. there 's an issue we we get on top of it um and over the last six months i think i've been with them now they've all worked hard every games i look forward to because i see their development i've seen them playing as a team and it it just all comes together and yeah especially this weekend i think it's been really good for us
1: so Um, moving into coaching the women then were you coaching men and boys before
2: yeah i was um i was doing juniors um for a bit, and then I uh, moved into a bit of uh, men's hockey, did a bit of learn-to-play stuff for uh, senior members of the public to get into ice hockey. Some of them gone on to play rec at a very decent level. A um, couple I know have actually gone into the league. Um, and I just, you know, I like to broaden my horizons. I haven't really, until now, should I say, found my... Uh, what's the word to describe it? But this is... You're quite yeah, my calling sort of thing. I've, I've tried various routes, looked at routes, um, other ways to go, but I've, I've, I wanted to get involved with this because it was something different. It's not something I've, I've never had a slight involvement in, if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. And, and now I'm there, I'm like, I like this. It's, I get a lot more passion from the women. Do you know what I mean? It's, but uh, that's what I'm saying
1: is there, as, as a coach, I mean, I've had Vicky on before, Vicky Feidler, who's your, your
2: yeah, team manager. Yeah. And, um.
1: And I sort of said, "So the difference between coaching women and men in sport is is so drastic." I, I was previously involved in boxing, and really enjoyed coaching women because, yeah. as you said there, if there's a problem, they get it out there, but they really take it in. They really listen.
0: Yeah.
1: And Have you, have yeah. you found that yourself?
2: Yeah, well, like, like I said, I've done juniors, I've done men's. There's uh, the take away the junior side, but the, but the men, the men have always got um without sounding rude towards males but um I go, i've been on youtube we've seen this you know it's more of they they try to i you know i, I was involved in boxing myself but never with, with the women's side of it i don't so i can't really take that in, into consideration as a, a show against but i found that anything involving the men's side of it is they kind of already know what they're doing before They've done it, if you know. So yeah. you're, I, mean, I I you're don't, don't think that
1: any any male players will mind us saying that it's ego.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. hundred percent. The the ego levels in ma- male hockey is definitely definitely out there. Mm. Um, but I would probably
1: say um, a bit, obviously it's the same sport, but there is slight differences yeah. in the rules with regards to the physicality.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, th- it's I think something
1: the men have to have, isn't it? They have
2: to have that little bit of ego. Yeah. Yeah, it's the tough, the tough guy ice hockey image, isn't it? It's like, yeah. oh, what do you do as a sport? I play ice hockey? Oh, gee, do you know, get involved. You know, I think, especially like I've got, I've got a thirteen-year-old son that plays, and all he does is sit upstairs watching um, uh, biggest hits and um, glove <laughs> drops and stuff. Do you know what I mean? He's got one of his favorite fighters. I think you've got on this podcast this time. You don't, know, um, Sean McGarrow, you? Sean McGarrow, yeah, yes. Yes, yeah, sure. yeah, I can never say his surname. I apologize to him before yeah. I see him. But uh, yeah, yeah, you know, that's my boy. Loves that, and it, it unfortunately does show in his game as well. Um, but yeah, the male side of it is about the whole the macho side of it. Is where the women I find more about playing the game. Yeah. Um, you know, you do you do see some of the tough and rumble uh, involved in the women's side of the sport, but it's definitely more I find um, skill related in the ways yeah. of just playing the game. And getting on with it you know you're not sending players out there to slow down the game shut down other players with a physical side we're, we're, we're shutting down plays um and other teams with our, our plays and our, our ability to play the game if you understand what i'm trying so to say is that
1: comparison then where for for like a men's side if you weren't having such a great game and the crowd was a little bit down you would send out the big lad to ruffle feathers and maybe you know Start a tilt.
2: Is that the comparison with women? You'd say, right? We're going to do this. Yeah, week, yeah. Expensive. I, I just, you know, obviously with men's hockey and women's hockey, it's not full checking. It's not. It, it's contact. All ice hockey is contact throughout every age group. Mm. And obviously, you get to with the juniors. I think once you hit under 14s, it's full contact. You have got checking involved as well. Then that goes up through the senior stages. With women's, um, there's no checking throughout all age ranges. Up until the elite level, it's, it's, non, it's non-checking, mm. which I personally think takes a slight aspect of the game out of it. Um, but that's my own personal opinion. I, I, I see there's, there's, there's obviously reasons and why, why it isn't there. But, yeah, you, you know, in men's hockey, the checking thing is, um, and then going on to the fighting side of it, in my personal opinion, is always going to be part of the game. You know, yeah. you can slow down. You can make a game from having a fight. It's not, you know, we don't go around promoting that sort of play, but it's part of the game. It always has been since the day, and it still it still is. There's talk, um, so I've heard amongst um the upper levels in the EIHA that they're looking at the aspects of fighting and how it, how it how it is amongst the game, and I hope to God and it doesn't stop. It is. It's, it's always
1: been part of the game, and you, you can tra- you can change a game with that, you know. Yeah, it is something I do discuss with Sean McMorrow, actually, slightly a little bit later on.
2: Yeah. Uh, obviously, it's, you know, one of his
1: best best aspects of his game. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh last week, I spoke to Cham Jackson, a GB female player who's currently out at the Ontario Hockey Academy. Um, yeah. But she said out there, it's brutal. Yeah. The women's hockey. It's like, is this... No checking rule. Is it a worldwide thing, or is it just
2: the? AI? Um, I, I can't honestly tell you. I've n- I, haven't, I haven't actually looked at any leagues in any other countries. I've just concentrate on what I'm doing at the moment. I haven't tried to broaden my horizons no. in, in that respect. I looked at how it how it's run. Um, like I know some coaches look at stuff that's going on in other countries on way of coaching and. Even that side of it and how they can bring that to their game over here. I, I, I'm just, like I said, I'm still fresh to the women's side of the sport. So I'm just concentrating oh. my team together before I try to, to change the way we're playing, if, if, you, if you see what I'm saying. Yeah, of course. Yeah.
1: Because obviously the Cobras have been going for quite some time. And the, this, this
2: yeah. I think awesome. I, To be fair, I think they've been going since I was born in right yeah. the early 80s. Oh, geez, isn't it? Yeah, we've got. Uh, uh, this is going to sound rude towards maybe some of the older ladies, but we've got a couple of original players still still involved in the team. Like oh, um, yeah. my undercoach um, who's in, in in charge of the pythons, Joe Abs. She's one of the original players. She was also my coach when I was playing juniors. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's still a few. Like we've got. I think I'm not going to say her name in case I get her age wrong. But uh, one of our senior players in the She's played for the pythons. She's 53 years old. And, and to be fair, she's probably one of the toughest playing ga- uh, uh, game players in the team. Uh, she could show That's some cool. younger girls how to play properly. But, yeah, it's, you know, we've got a, a vast age range. We've got some training up that are 13 years old at the moment that are going to be uh, valuable members of the team next season. We've got a lot of um, youth players that play at other clubs, that are playing as a second team at our, at our um, club. Um, we've got a, such a vast range from, like I said, fourteen and up to, like fifty-three year old playing in the pythons, and then the cobras. Again, we've got some slightly older ladies and some younger players. It's, you know, we 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 just try to develop the younger players, keep hold of the decent older players. You know, having the older players there is, it's a good foundation for the, the girls to build up to, you know, someone to look up to. Uh, yeah. in a way but
1: that
2: experience uh, level is just quite invaluable isn't it yeah yeah yeah, yeah I'm just uh, it's not look like look. you get to an agent and they kick you to the curb sort of thing this is if you, if you still got it you look at one of my, my favourite um, hockey player when I was a kid was uh, Yama Yaga oh right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. he's still play, he's still playing league hat, 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 um, is he hungry he's from I can never remember his original country he's still one of the best players in the league do you know what I mean
1: yeah. Just, yes. They keep on. I think they keep on going. They keep on going, don't they? Yeah. they? yeah. Turn turn a plug socket on, mate. I'm still with you. <laughs> no worries. Yeah. For those watching on YouTube, it's gone a little bit dark at my end, so I'm just um <laughs> just turn the plug socket on. But no, that's um the the, the level as well, especially with the the Cobras, Some of the other teams yeah. in that league. That the skill level is just just immense. I mean, I think I saw the result and. I was sent scorers from a game up in Nottingham, I think you won nine eight I
2: um, will tell you what my entire my entire career of playing like when I was in the juniors, we won one season we won uh, we won the league and we won the playoffs we won everything and I still say that game at Nottingham, I was so ecstatic, hyped up. it was probably the best game of hockey i've've I've watched been involved with, it was just it was just amazing, the girls done amazing, um, but they had uh, quite a few GB players on the other team, um, one of the main head coaches that runs, um, I can't remember if it's GB or England that I'm involved in, uh, in the women's side of it, he is the coach for the other team, and it was the first time I coached against him and we beat him and it was just end-to-end hockey, it was amazing, uh, it's one of them games that I, I would say go back and watch, I think it's available on YouTube and stuff like that. But um, yeah, if I can
1: find
2: that, I'll share that then. Yeah, definitely, it was a great game. Um, But yeah, we had we went up to Whitley Bay the other weekend in the Cobras. Um, Unfortunately, we didn't have a great game. But they're they're an elite level team. They've got GB players. They're they're phenomenal. Um, We've done really well. The girls done me proud. um, But we unfortunately didn't come away with a win. Um, But I I look at we're going to beat them when they when they come down to our our barn. You know it's, it's.
1: and obviously the yeah. Python's are developing, aren't the Python's are a development squad from this year.
2: So. Yeah, we've, we've we've still got a decent team amongst them, but because we're trying to make them more again, it's the first season we've opened it up to having two teams. It's the first yeah. this is the Python's first season. Uh, we we are concentrating a lot more on development. Um some of them players might look to we move up into Cobra's next season. It it's just kind of we've taken this season as um how do you say it, just just to give us a baseline of what we've got amongst our, we've got fifty, over, excuse me, over fifty, fifty odd players um, okay. signed. Signed to, at the moment, it's it, it's it's a, it's a whole team. It's just um, uh, we've got two so-called teams in in the league, in yeah. two different leagues. But we've got fifty over fifty odd players signed. We're just trying to work out where we want to be. Um, we're playing girls that have never played ice hockey before in a competitive in a competitive way at all. And some of them only just started ice skating this season and they're still we are still giving them the available available time to, to go out and play a game. Yeah. So we can look at where we can be with them in in a season, two seasons at a time. So the Pythons is more about development, uh and obviously the Cobras is more about just trying to do well for the club sort of thing. So it's 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 all in hand. It's moving forward. It's the first season of having both clubs um, we've got uh, a good management team come on board now. Um, good committee set up, um, and everyone's on the same page and where we want to be. We're looking at two, three seasons' time. Chelmsford's going to be a, a, a big name on the on the map. You've got like Guildford and down this way. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of you've got Slough sort of thing all over that way. Cardiff, they're they're big names around women hockey. Yeah. Um, obviously, once you start going up north, north there's a lot, there's a lot more big, big name teams. Um, but yeah, not our aim, in the field and, yeah. yeah, yeah. But our, our aim in the game for us is two, three seasons, to team time. Sorry, to have our teams uh, unbeatable position. Do you know what I mean? I, I can see it happening. We've got some talent throughout both teams. Um, we've got some players that play really well together and been playing together for quite a while now. Um, but we've, we've, we're starting to set up a really good um, base for development of um, women's hockey in Chelmsford. And I, I think with what the EIHA is trying to do at the moment, it's a, it's a good milestone for the, for the future, I suppose. Yeah, well, there's quite a lot of talent in the under-16s Rattlesnacks as well, aren't there? There's yeah. some
1: really talented yeah,
2: We've got a few of the players that they come and play for us when they're not they're not playing there. But obviously, their, their head coach um, Jenny Bolton, she plays for the Cobras, um, so we've got good contact with with that that bunch. Um, she she knows who's good to come through. We've got like, um a couple of their players have played, I believe, I'm not sure. Putting my head, I believe a couple of them have even played. The Cobras game once for us, but don't quote me on that one. I've been I'll get in trouble back at uh, back at base on Friday night. <laughs> but um, yeah, they're, but they're they doing a great they're doing a great job there. They're pushing players through us. We've got obviously players come over. We've got um, a couple of international players to play for Cobras. We've got uh, I think off the top of my head. Um, I think we've got a we've, I'm sure Jenny played GB back in the day. Um, we've got a couple of players that are training either GB or England Um, we've got some elite players that have come over to us for this season as well so hopefully we're just going to it's just about building up over the next two or three seasons like I've already said yeah Um, having the games free entry
1: is a really good opportunity to try and get people in isn't it as well yeah
2: yeah i think i think to be fair the last double head we had which is our, our only home game we've had so far most of ours away games we had some chiefs fans come down we were really uh, impressed with the the quality of hockey we had um, even to be fair like um the, the division 2 team the pythons their games are still good um but you know like i said for a development team they're doing phenomenal this season even though that we we've lost a few games you know what i mean they they're going out they're playing some good hockey um, but they're playing against teams that have been in that league for four, five, six, seven, eight, God knows how many seasons some since the since the league started. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah,
1: I would imagine that that it's more focused on performances than scores, isn't it? For them, really.
2: Yeah, yeah. I don't. We. I don't look at the score. I look at how the, the girls perform. So if I come away. I can't say disappointed because I'm never disappointed because it's 110% from all the players. But if I come away from the game and I'm not as happy as I thought I was going to be, it's more down to the performance when I know the girls haven't performed as well as they could do. That's the only thing that ever, like, upsets me. I've never never bothered about losing a game, um, the results, anything like that. And it, it's just when you know someone can do better and, and you've seen them do better... And then they go out, and they they're not really there. It's like, oh, you, you know, that's that's how I the only downsides I get. Yeah. Other than that, I I haven't really seen that this season. Um, everybody's been really smashing it this season. It's been great. All right.
1: So the uh, well, the pythons are facing the Oxford Midnight Stars, I believe, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. And the uh, cobras are facing the MK Falcons. How have you got on against them so far
2: this season? Um, oh, if I'm Honest with you, I don't believe we've played either of them. Oh, really? Yeah, I know know definitely Cobras haven't played um, Milton Keynes. Uh, I think they're about a mid-table team. Um, If I'm right in saying, the only... I'm just trying to think if it's Coventry. I'm not sure we might have played them away. I'm not... I'm not. I'm not no good without looking on the app of uh, what teams we've played. Yeah, I'm because I'm there. I'm there with both teams. Every away game, every home game, uh, regardless where it is, I'm there. It's just trying to remember what what ones I've been to. We've had a fair few away games now.
1: Yeah, and the distance. Um, in your leagues are just phenomenal, aren't they? Because it's not yeah. really like a north and south league. It's all national.
2: Yeah, it's all national, but I. I I'm hoping eventually, once women's hockey starts to build up, it's, there's going to be a few more teams about, and they'll, they'll hopefully split it north and south like they you know, in men's.
1: Yeah, just to try and cut down on all that travelling, I suppose.
2: Yeah, yeah. But I think I think um, we were saying earlier, I think there's a 30% increase in women's hockey um, since oh, COVID. Really? So looking at them numbers, there's in two, three, four seasons' time, there's going to be some big numbers out there and you know big numbers of players mean more teams available to uh, to play within the league
1: yeah definitely and if the I mean I know when the the sport funding came out a couple of years ago it wasn't particularly kind to ice hockey or winter sports in general really yeah Um, because I I discussed with Vicky when she was on it's just facilities isn't it if there there were more facilities across the country there would definitely be more teams because the, the, the want is there it's yeah. Is the how there.
2: Yeah, it's just yeah, like I said, it the th- the thing is you can fit you could build another ice rink and fill it with hockey players, but there'sn't there won't be enough revenue there um to to cover to cover the costs of, no. of running running no, this it That's the only problem.
1: The public skating, the figure skating,
2: it needs yeah. everything else, isn't it, doesn't it, to keep it running? Yeah.
1: When yeah. our closest neighbours up the A twelve in Romford, they don't have a women's set up yet, do they? So
2: No, no, that's that's that that would be a good one. Um I'm not... I don't think Guildford... uh, Not Guildford.
1: Cambridge, that's the next close one.
2: Yeah, I don't think Cambridge... They've only got a university girls team set up there. Um, Invicta, they've got... They've got a women's rec team set up down there, so I've heard. Uh, But no... Yeah, but no actual... Div one, div two, anything like that. So again, but I think that's more the amount that they've got quite a lot of recreational teams down there and obviously senior teams and stuff. It's again like we said, covering ice ice time. Yeah. Against what they can make out of public skates. Like all the public skate sessions, we've got a chance where we could probably cover with teams or recreational teams and from hockey, but it doesn't it doesn't bring in enough revenue for the um, company to uh get the rink open, does it? So no.
1: 'Cause that, we we did joke about them being the only ones not bothered about turning the heating on, but it costs enough to keep it all cold in there, doesn't it? So <laughs> <laughs> But um, yeah. that's a fantastic mate. So yeah, Sunday the fifth of February, double header at the riverside. I think four yeah. fifty you say, face off for
2: four forty five, free it's free entry anyway to get in. Yeah, uh, there's, there's, refreshments, there's available. refreshments available and everything for everything there. I, yes. I will be there
1: myself. I've, uh, I have
2: awesome. I promised
1: Vicky I would come to a home game. This is the first one since I spoke to us. So, yes, I, I will be there taking it in. I
2: will say hello to me on the bench, though.
1: Absolutely, I will, yeah.
2: Awesome.
1: No, lovely. Same me. Thank you very much for joining me, mate.
2: All right. Mate. Take care of yourself.
1: See you, mate. Thank you so much to Shane Mead for joining me on the podcast. So once again, those fixtures for this weekend, February the 5th at the Riverside, Sunday evening, 4.50 face-off for the Chumpsford Pythons against the Oxford Midnight Stars, followed by a 6.30 face-off, I believe, for the Chumpsford Cobras against the MK Falcons. Free entry, free women's hockey if you're not travelling down to Streatham with the Chieftains. Do come and give them a look. Now we've got a very special guest on the podcast who I have been teasing for over a week. I think I did, did say sort of three or four weeks ago that he was coming. Uh, we've had our chat. It was very entertaining. I really do hope you enjoy it. Here's the sheriff, Sean McMorrow. It's the sheriff, HL man of the year. 500 pro fights in his career. Got the record for most ice fights. A season. Yeah. the season. Sheriff, lucky you're still breathing.
0: All right, Sean McMorrow, the sheriff. How are we doing this evening, fella? I'm doing absolutely excellent, man. I'm just really happy to be on, on a show with you. I've been, I've been waiting for a while to connect, so I'm, I'm really happy, mate.
1: Yeah, I think we connected sort of November time, um, and I was just waiting for, to get the podcast forward enough to get someone like yourself on. Um, yeah. Because obviously we're just about one team, but we're starting to branch out a little bit and to have a gentleman such as yourself on is fantastic for us.
0: Yeah, you know, like I, I always get I always take it as a compliment when I get an invite. And when it's people that I like like you guys, I, it's even better. So so thanks for having me. I really appreciate it.
1: <laughs> so being Canadian, was there ever any other choice in sport or was it always gonna be hockey?
0: Well, I think that I think that it was it was pretty even for me and my brothers to decide. Like my mom got us involved in every sport. Um, including hockey like when we were at a very young age and i think i think just because of our size and and our athletic ability to to parents over six feet and 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 athletic the kids are 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 usually going to take after that right so so me and my brothers and sisters just just um just really got attached to hockey and did well and and i think that's why we were encouraged to continue but but yeah we we had every sport to choose from we were very lucky oh
1: really that's fantastic so it's um I mean to make it as a professional as you did and have such a, an illustrious career as a professional you must have had to have a sort of sense of selfishness
0: yeah i mean i think it helped me being the oldest boy like my sister is the oldest and then i'm the i'm the oldest of three of three brothers yeah. so i was the first to go through everything like the AAA level the junior level the pro level like i was the first one to do it right and and I think I, I obviously had the support of all my family, including my siblings. And, and, and in a way, it probably was selfish, man, you know, because a lot of people really helped me out because I was the first one and, and I was the one that actually made it. So, so I think I selfishly got extra support from, from my home base. you yeah, absolutely I mean, right.
1: it's, I mean it's, in no, it's in no way it did because it's kind of, it, it's just how sport is. If, if as an individual, you are going to make it in a sport you have to make your life about that
0: oh yes oh yes and and like i i knew deep down that you know the time that i was taking for the sport you know all the parties i had to turn down when i was at high school oh you want to go to so and so's party friday night oh man i got a game man i can't go like that line was said quite a bit and like i know that any player any parent that's listening to this podcast they can really like like associate with that, right? Because that's probably one of the biggest things is having that confidence, living through the selfishness of of aiming for something and being able to deny things that may be able to interrupt that because a lot of kids end up going the party way and giving in and then they miss a practice or they miss a game. And then they kind of go a, a different path and they don't continue with the sport, right? So, I mean, this is a very good conversation and I'm, I'm very glad to be a part of this one.
1: Well, we had a, last week on our podcast, we had our head coach, Mark Saunders, on who had done sort of England junior level and been involved in that. And he's part of our sort of player, player strategy elite program as bringing the guys through from Young. And he quoted a really fantastic uh, coach from Finland he says, "You never know how good a player is going to be until he meets his first girl and gets his first beer."
0: Yeah, because
1: that yeah. can change everything.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I could, I could see exactly. I mean, there's different ways to take it, but the way that I see that is, you know, he that the player gets his first goal, and you said his first beer, right? His first girl. Oh, first girl! Yeah. His first girl. Okay, yes. Okay, so that's an even bigger point. That's an <laughs> yeah. even bigger point. That's so, just a distraction. Yes, exactly, man. And like, but 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 it's a two way street with that because some players can hook up with a girl at a young age, and you'll hear about this later in their careers. Guys like Steve Ludzik, guys like you know, they, they had high school sweethearts that actually that stuck with badly. them. Throughout their journey right and and, and they uh, and then those players attribute their their significant others with really like with their parents and like in a small group of of what really helped them make it right so it 's very interesting to hear different people 's stories because you know girls could be some players' downfalls, and now that there 's all the girls' hockey players, yeah we can see it for a full circle guys could be girls' downfalls and girls could be guys' downfalls, but it could also be the opposite so. If you do get that special someone, I'm talking directly to the players right now. For the guys, if you get a girl that cares about you and that's supporting your hockey, you better stick with that one because there's not too many, too many like those out there. Right, my friend?
1: No, no, there's <laughs> not. There's not. there's. And talking with girls hockey, it's brilliant because the episode that we've got you on is with our uh, Chelmsford Cobras head coach, Shane Meade, because we've got two female sides that play Oh, out wow. Um, and Shane's wow. coming on with me this week as well because they're playing a double header at home. Their game's a free entry, and we're just trying to get as many people as we can into the rink to watch the, the ladies play.
0: Yes, well, I mean, for the listeners that are listening to the show, I could tell you one thing. I'm a big fan of of girls' hockey, of women's hockey, a- and I'll tell you a, a couple of reasons why. I mean, first of all, I, I have an older sister that I, you know, grew up, you know, idolizing and watching her play and her athletics. The women have a different kind of competition in them. Like I find that in the middle of the games, it gets so intense, and it's a little bit different from the guys. The guys look at it over as more of a generalized in the game, and they have their game plans and this and that. The girls, man, when they're really pressing, like in soccer, what we learned from the World Cup, for, for the Canadian fans anyway, we were really, really pressing, right? We were pressing, pressing, but then they turn it up. So anyone that goes to that game, you're going to see some wild, wild action with the female, with the girl, women's hockey. And I, I strongly suggest you check it out and buy a ticket. Oh, fantastic.
1: Yeah. So <laughs> I mean, you're saying there with, with your sister and then with all your brothers. Have, have you all played together, you and your brothers?
0: Well, I'll tell you what, that's, that's an excellent question because it's very rare that you do get to play organized. You know, you, you hear the stories of brothers playing in the NHL, this, that, playing together. Now, my experience playing with my siblings actually comes from elementary school, the school that was grade one through grade eight. So you're looking at from six years old till, till you're about 12, turning 13 in grade eight in Canada. And we had a hockey team, a school hockey team. So I'm only three years younger than my sister. So the first year that we had it was when I was in grade five and she was in grade eight. She made the team, I made the team. We were both defensemen and we were defense partners. Right. So that was pretty special to be able to play with my sister on an organized team. You know, like it was uh, it was a, it was a school circuit. And and, um, you know, we got to we got to play at Maple Leaf Gardens with the Toronto Maple Leafs play the NHL team. We, we had a school tournament there. And uh, yeah, there you go. We're in the hat uh, representing my hometown. I appreciate <laughs> it. And uh, and yeah. And I got to do the same thing with my brother, Patrick, uh, who's three years younger than me. Um, Patrick got to play with, with players that ended up going to the NHL like Anthony Stewart, Chris Stewart, and um, you know I was in grade eight and he was in grade five and we got to be defense partners. So so that that's my experience playing with my siblings and, and it was it was a great experience. It was wonderful. That's
1: brilliant. We did last week in the NHL, we had two brothers get penalties against each other.
0: Yeah, yeah. Pittsburgh I, actually, centers game, wasn't it? Which is... I actually saw that video again today and I shared it on my story. Because um, then they show the parents. They the parents in the, the stands stand 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 they don't know what to do, man. They're just <laughs> like, ah, are we mad? Are we happy? What do we do? <laughs> and I loved how they were each
1: wearing the different jersey, the parents. Oh, it's
0: yeah. Like, oh, oh, yeah. You know who, you know who the, each one's favorite is then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. That's uh, that's a good problem to have when you're trying to figure out who to cheer for when you got got two, two kids playing in the top league, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, fortunately, I've only got the one child because she, she'll she always be my favourite. Uh, yeah. I always think, yeah, because she, she's my little girl. She's my princess. And if I had another one, she would always be that little bit special. And I always say yeah. I, I grew up in a family where one sibling was the favourite and it was horrible for my brother.
0: Hey, I you know, <laughs> I love the sibling rivalry. I, 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 I absolutely love it, man. Trust me. I got, I got two younger brothers, man. One, one's only an inch shorter than me, but he's got about 50 pounds, on me, heavier, and then the other one is is about eight and a half inches taller than me, and he's got probably about seventy or eighty pounds on me. So, wow. so trust me, we're big athletic brothers, and and I, I I I love this, I love this sibling rivalry that I could feel through you yeah. and yours. Oh, me, yeah, me and my
1: brother, we we've, we've got a bit. We're, we're best buddies. He's my hero, but yeah, <laughs> we definitely got some rivalry.
0: Of course, and That's it only makes us better people, right?
1: yeah absolutely absolutely i think and baz lerman said you know be nice to your siblings they are the, ni- the best link to your past and they're most likely to stick with you in the future so definitely uh, one for siblings
0: there so hey mate just before we move on i'm yeah. sorry to interrupt you but i have to ask because you put out two incredible promo videos for our show yes. is that you or who, who do you who do you credit that is that is that you that put that, that- together man that I was, I was, I felt blessed being a part of those videos. That is all me. And I do that on my
1: phone on Instagram stories and I screen record it and I edit it all together in iMovie. I don't know how to use a computer. I don't know how to use editing stuff, but give me an iPhone and I can make pretty much anything like that.
0: Right on. It is interesting how much we have learned. I'm talking about you and me because I'm hearing this story about about technology like when you take on a project and like with us you know it's the podcast but with that podcast comes the promotions comes the posters comes the, you know delivering the show out to the platforms and we need to learn like I, I got my brother-in-law Danny Granger he helps me with my show um you gotta have some people that are that are helping you man or is this just a one man show it's just
1: me yeah it's just me really? Wow. Yeah, but, um... <laughs>
0: Yeah that's good uh, hey, man. I hats off I'm not wearing one but hats off to you. yeah no, well I've
1: I've got an LED light shining at me so if I
0: take mine off I'm going to blind you. <laughs> <laughs> that's great, man. Good but, for uh, you. Yeah, I'm yeah, sorry to interrupt great. but I had hey the listeners need to know this, man. This is great what you're doing.
1: Yeah, no yeah, it's just it's just me. I've, I've really enjoyed doing it. It's um I'm sure that my wife sort of says You know, you can't do too much of it because watching hockey every uh, Saturday night and Sunday night and then I'm just plugging my phone in. So it's gone a bit dark. I've just got to plug plug my light in somewhere else. And uh, yes, I'm watching my hockey over the weekend and then I do this on Mondays and Tuesdays. I don't like it to go sort of past Mondays and Tuesdays. Otherwise, it ends up taking up too much of my time. Right on,
0: man. Well, I'll tell you what, man. I, I know I know the grind. I know how much time it takes. The fact that you're a one-man show, man, I got to give you that credit. The, the, we're, we're lucky as listeners. I'm probably underplaying speakers.
1: slightly because it's me and my daughter that go to the games. We're season to get older, which helps the chieftains, and she writes all everything down in the program. So, yeah, when there's a penalty or there's a goal or anything, she writes down the player, the wow. penalty, the, the time, and
0: everything so okay. when i'm my match reports i've got all them details right on and what's her first name it's jocelyn she's 12 nearly 13 oh wow hey shout out to jocelyn jocelyn you said yeah jocelyn yeah yes shout out to jocelyn great job girl
1: yeah she's. Uh, i'm enjoying she's... the
0: work you're, you're helping with your dad i'm enjoying this a lot
1: <laughs> <laughs> i've got a question from her later on actually so that's um
0: yeah, Yes, that.
1: But There's something I did want to ask you because I don't think it's really been brought up. I know you had Luke Sellers on your podcast a couple of weeks ago.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: you know, with, with the Danbury Trashers, the time scale fits, your style of play fits. Did AJ Galanti ever get in touch with you? Was you going to Danbury ever an option?
0: Well, I was lucky enough to meet AJ after that Netflix documentary came out because yeah. I had just started my show and lucky enough for me, man, I just hit him up at the right time. And I, he agreed to do my show. And it was before he agreed to do any of those big shows like Spitting and Chicklets and all that. So I was actually the first one to get AJ Galante no on a podcast after the Canadian release of Netflix. So, yeah. you know, we want to be official because I don't want to upset anybody. <laughs> but, but, yeah, so I Thanks. met him, him being a guest, um, got to know him a little bit. But then, of course, May 21st, um, I I was lucky enough to be the host of Ice Wars, which is a production that AJ also put together. So then I got to actually meet him in person. Uh, We spent about four days together in Edmonton. And then, of course, there was an Ice Wars 2 where I got to see him again. So to answer your question, though, I talked to AJ about that. I'm like, hey, because I was under contract with the Buffalo Sabres, playing for the Rochester Americans those two seasons that he was the GM of Danbury. So he told me that I was on his list, but he knew that I was under He was like, like the secret to AJ is he would go after players that were either that their contracts just finished. and, And then they were kind of wondering if maybe they wanted to go to Europe. Maybe they wanted to take another shot at the AHL or the East coast, but then AJ and Jimmy would just come in with these big, offers and and, and, just, and just offer them the world pretty much right like like you should have heard the the stories about because i've had a couple of players on my show that have played from danbury trashers in that era and it's not just about the money per week it's about the way they were treated they were treated like gods yeah they lived in incredible places incredible condominiums townhouses with backyards and you know like like it was like playing in the NHL, pretty much, right? And, and and there's an old saying in hockey, which you're gonna know as soon as I, as soon as I'm halfway through. Look good, feel good, and play good. Yeah. And if you, if all those things are in line, and you have enough support, sometimes that's the difference between winning and losing. Yeah. And those two seasons, I believe Danbury made it to the finals both years. And I know one of them, it was like a heartbreaking loss. I think it might have been a game six or a game seven. So. You know, look good, feel good, play good was yeah. proven in those two years with the Danbury Trashers.
1: Yeah, and if, and if anyone watching or listening hasn't seen it, I think it's like Untold Crime and Punishment, I believe it's called,
0: on, on Netflix, and it's just yeah. an incredible that's incredible right. documentary. It's a, yeah, it's, it's, probably, it's probably one of the best hockey documentaries that I've ever seen. Mm. I can give it that for sure.
1: Yeah, no, yeah, it's really a fantastic watch. So it's, uh, obviously you enjoy the confront- confrontational side of the game and the physical side of the game. Uh, is there something special you had to train for that? Did you do any combat training, martial arts, or boxing?
0: Well, I mean, i it's, it, it's funny because, you know, I'm, and I'm talking to the whole hockey community right now, like the difference between 20 years ago and now is that now we're so much more aware of how to be better prepared how to feel better how to be more healthy all these things right so so now you got people going to the gym all the time yeah 20 years ago people didn't go to the gym the way they do now to to, to be a hockey player to have a private coach and do private lessons that happened 20 years ago but it was very rare it was just like kind of like the richest kids on the team may have done it but now, like, everybody does the hockey schools. Everybody does the extra ice. Everybody does the summer programs. So now, I, I, I know because of guys like Curtis Gabriel, guys like Luke Gazdick that I've had on my show that just finished their careers recently, they took some martial arts stuff because they played in the last, like, five years. And, yeah. You know what I mean? But, like, I'm telling you, back in the day, like, when guys were playing, like, you know, like, like I was under contract with Buffalo. I got drafted in 2000 was under contract from 02 to 06, right? So we're talking 15, 20 years ago. And the, the, it, was, it was just – it was the willingness to do what your teammates weren't willing to do. Obviously, it was usually the biggest guy on the team. Now, we all know that sometimes when those players, when those teams just chose the biggest guy on the team, sometimes that would be an embarrassment because that guy was just a gentle giant and ended up just being a punching bag, Right. But most of the time the heavyweights were about 6'4, 220, which is about my size. The guys that were willing to do it, the guys that may not have had the same skill level, but because they were willing to do this role, they were able to play at the highest levels. And that and that was a situation like myself, my friend. Like I came into major junior as a stay-at-home defenseman. Yeah. And came out of major junior as a fourth line winger because that's the position that I just had to conform to to give myself the best chances to make it to the next level. make it into the next level.
1: Yeah, so there's... I mean, as you were saying there, yeah, it's something we're seeing less and less of in the NHL is is the fighting. And the, there's certain players that kind of don't seem to want to get involved. I mean, you've got your, your Crosby, Matthews, McDavid. Do, do you think the league are trying to discourage their stars from getting involved in that side?
0: I mean... I think that I think that the NHL is going through like kind of a roller coaster type of era when it comes to the physicality because what we're seeing is we're still like like people would have thought that the fighting would have been totally pushed out by now but it's not it's been grandfathered right but it's not gone so now why isn't it gone when you have all these things that are trying to get it out. The instigator rule, the mandatory visors, the, you know, if you, if you fight, there's like, there's like a, there's this new one where like, if you, if you get an instigator in the last 10 minutes, it's like a game suspension. So it takes away all the payback stuff that happens in the game within the game. And, and, And you know what I mean? Like, 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 like slowly they've, they've really given a lot of reasons for guys just not to play that way anymore but it's still there. Yeah. So now you've got to look at that and you have to be like, well, if it's still there and they're trying to push it out so much, maybe they shouldn't be trying to push it out completely. Maybe yes. they just need to try to make it safer. Right? Yes. And now, and, and, and sorry, go ahead, my friend.
1: Well, I just I think it's, it's such a vital part of the game and that's why it's still there because it's in the game's fabric. It's in its history. It's in its core. So they, as you say, they can try and push it out, force it out. They're never going to. I mean, we see it now in, in our leagues over here in, in the UK. Um, you don't see it as much in the down, but it's it's definitely there. And it's used as, as a tactical resource. You know, if, yeah. if the game's a bit hard and the, and the crowd is down, send your big guy on, ruffle some feathers, the crowd
0: gets up, the team gets up, and then everything's going. Absolutely. and 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 you know what? That is probably what the UK has that other parts of the world don't have, is what you just said right there. Because the fans are different in the UK. There's a little bit of tailgating that goes on. There's, there's bands that play in the arena. That stuff doesn't happen in North America, right? So the fans get – I believe the fans, because of football, because of soccer, like, like traditional mentality – yeah. The fans get into the games a little bit more. The The, the crowds in North America could be really boring, my friend. You could go to a Leaf game in Toronto, and, like, although the game is great, you know, all these corporate guys in suits, and, you know, they're all sitting there and afraid they're going to spill their cappuccinos, and it's like, get out of here, man. Let's get the real fans in here, like in the UK where they're, you know, make big high fives and hug at each other. And you know what I mean? Like, oh, we don't want to wrinkle our suits in Toronto. But, you know, over where you are. It's, I believe when I played over in that, across the pond where you are, it was a little bit more exciting. And then when a fight would break out, are you kidding me, man? If you could get fired – this is what I say to my UK, my UK brothers. If you can get fired up for a football game, for a football game, right? Yeah. Can you imagine how fired up people can get for a game where there's bare-knuckle fighting on ice. I mean, come on. It's pretty easy to get fired up, right? So yeah, now, nice. and then you see it happen. Man, it, it could turn the games around upside down in the UK, a lot more effective than it does in North America because of the fan participation.
1: Yeah. right. Exactly.
0: That's what I believe in Entirely
1: agree. Well, I mean, currently in Canada, in hockey, boy, you've got something special in Connor Bedard.
0: Wow. Okay, so... I've heard about this kid for a couple of years now, right? Because he's, he was one of those exceptional players. And when I say exceptional, that's actually the term that they use. If you're, if you're noted as an exceptional player, you're allowed to go into a major, a major junior league in Canada one year earlier than everybody else. Jason Spezza, I believe John Tavares, just certain players have been able to do this. Connor Bedard is, is is the newest one, so he's been in the league in the Western Hockey League, you know, in the in the in the CHL for for a couple of years now. Yeah, he's been leading his team. He had like twice the amount of points as the second place participant, <laughs> like crazy numbers like that. Like 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 how McDavid is right, but now he's doing it at the World Junior level. Yeah, on the world stage. I mean. If you, I don't have it in front of me. If you look up the points for Team Canada, the man has like doubled the amount of the second place guy. Yeah, I think he got yeah.
1: over 50% of your points in that tournament. It was all him.
0: Right? So you got to think, man, like, if his numbers are that much better, he broke all these records. He broke Eric Lindros' overall point record for the tournament, he broke Mario Lemieux's record for goals or whatever it was. Like, if he's beating all these guys, he's going to probably do that in the NHL too. So, like, that's how exciting this is. So, now, here's the question. I mean, if this is that generational, if he's the best player since McDavid, since Crosby, at, before McDavid, and, and Ovechkin, then who's going to tank to, to get this guy? Yeah. I, I mean, I feel bad saying the words everybody knows like that that's a part of it now the, the draft lottery um is usually the solution to like you know teams doing that right but i mean i don't know man i i don't know if that's real or if it's just to please the the general public that it's not all fixed but no, i mean i heard i heard that the arizona that the arizona coyotes okay the old Phoenix Coyotes, Arizona, I heard that they're going to get the first overall pick. And now the reasons why is they've never gotten one since they've been in the league. Gary Bettman absolutely loves the Southern United States, wanting to grow the NHL. He's a big fan of the American teams. You know, Quebec City got denied. But I believe that, now you can quote me, Paul Bissonette already said this, Biz Nasty from and Chicklets, but I agree with him. I believe, that the Phoenix Coyotes will be selecting first overall after this lottery. And I believe that they're going to obviously select Connor Bedard and that Connor Bedard is going to be responsible for bringing the desert to, to become a hockey, the hockey area. You know what I mean? And try to grow the game that way. Other people think that Vancouver Canucks might get him because he's like, I guess his hometown is pretty close to Vancouver. And then maybe that could, you know, spring up the whole West Coast and stuff, yeah. but it'll be interesting, my friend. He's yeah, appealing. I mean that, that could be
1: then, you you could say fifteen years down the line, it could end up in Vancouver. I mean, we're talking now; they're talking about Matthews might go back to Arizona in, a, in a, you know, a couple of years.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, man, the Leafs better better lock them up because it would, it would only make sense, right? Well, they'd better it only start getting sense. through
1: the first round of the Stanley Cup first <laughs>
0: <laughs> this year. Hey brother, this year is going to be a really like I know they say that every year, but I was surprised that they didn't clean house from last year. They gave it one more shot with this core. Mm. The coach, like Keith, and and the core of players, they have to win this year or or
1: so, yeah. The Leafs have just got to get through the first round with this core, and then they might look to rebuild.
0: Yeah, I mean they they I. I believe that they can, but they have to. They have to. Because if they don't, then it's just kind of like, I mean, they've been, they've been, they were supposed to do it for the past like three, four years now, right? So they have to do it. Or, I mean, at least Keith's going to get fired and they'll probably, they'll probably mix up. They got those four big guns on the Leafs, right? So they'll probably trade one or two of them, probably, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So hopefully (laughs) they can do it. They got a lot of people hoping that they can.
1: Yeah, they didn't even really get an advantage last year finishing top of the conference and they ended up playing Tampa.
0: I know. I know. But like I mean that like like you would have thought that that they would have really learned their lesson from that series. I mean, they they really got out muscled. I mean obviously they got out goaltendered too, but but they really got out muscled and like you know, you really would have thought that Toronto would have added some like muscle that could at least play a regular shift, but they didn't. You know, they're not really letting Wayne Simmons play that much. And, you know, whenever he gets in there, he seems to be going centre-ice and throwing them down. So
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, well, I cool. stayed up and watched the Bruins game a couple of weeks ago. And <laughs> him and Foligno yeah, and how long for for was after that? like 20 seconds.
0: Yeah, how awesome was that, though? Dan? Yeah. His first fight of the year. Like, like, he looked like he was leading the league, at, leading the NHL in fights. Like, the way that he was switching. The, the, like, the, there was a time that Foligno was coming back and, Looked like maybe Felino was going to start taking the advantage, and then Wayne just gave a hellmaker, a hellmaker um, left, and just like I, I was so impressed with Wayne Simmons in that night. Like he looked like he had been in the lineup every night the whole season. So to, the players know what I'm saying that are hearing this. To be able to step in and to put on a show like that is is incredible, incredible execution by Wayne Simmons.
1: Yeah, incredible. Yeah, especially to have something like that in an original six game as well was just brilliant.
0: Oh man! Oh man! Yeah, no, Boston against Toronto, original six. Yeah, you can't get any better than that. Old school hockey, you know the big bad Bruins, and that yeah,
1: won't force it out of the game because the original six yeah. will not
0: let it go. There you go, man. And, 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 and hey, now that we're talking about Boston, what a season for the Boston Bruins! Unbelievable season, yeah. I just saw, uh, I just saw a, a, an article saying that you know their goaltender. Is the, first, is the fastest goalie to 25 wins at, at this point of the season. Like, they're doing really, really well. They're breaking records right now. I think they only have five losses or six losses on the season.
1: Yeah, it's quite a strange season, actually. It's, in, in all the conferences, it's, it's quite a strange one. There's uh, teams that no one thought would do particularly well that are doing really well and vice versa.
0: Yeah, Seattle and, is another team that's doing exceptionally well this year. Yeah. And, and, and that's a big surprise. And then on the other side of things, Columbus, the team that, that Johnny Hockey went to that, that disappointed all those Calgary Flame fans by choosing to go to Columbus because Columbus was supposed to be the spot, they're not even doing that well. So no. it's very interesting. Very interesting.
1: No. So uh, I have saying you've done a little bit with the uh, Hockey Hall of Fame uh, representing Se- Seaside Hockey Club.
0: Yes. So um, I was absolutely blessed to have the opportunity to attend the the Carnegie Initiative Summit. Now, this is is a summit that was very well put together. Um, It was not only a reopening of the Herb Carnegie Arena in Toronto, um, which I had an opportunity to go on the ice, be part of the group that was the first group to be on that ice. Um, Herb Carnegie has a grandson named Rain Carnegie that Actually, played with my my brother Patrick, the one that's only the inch shorter but the fifty pounds heavier. Yeah, um, him and Patty played, uh, grew up playing together, and so our families are are well connected and 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 pretty close. And you know, this grandfather of rain, um, he was supposed to be the player that broke the color barrier in the National Hockey League, um, but the NHL wasn't ready for it at the time, and then Willie O'Ree ended up being that player. But Herb Carnegie um, was the best player at the pretty much what is now the AHL. He played for the Quebec Aces, was the leading scorer, um, and was ahead over the rest of the players. There's a lot of ex-Montreal Canadians that say that he's the best player they've ever played with because it was like the farm team for the Montreal Canadiens that he was playing. and um, And, yeah, so Herb Carnegie is known as the best player to never play in the NHL, but because of his work, after he retired in the community um, creating hockey schools, creating, creating um, scholarship funds for players. So they would have a pathway to do something with the sport. Um, he was, he was inducted as a builder and it was a long time coming. His family had been pushing for it for a while and he was finally um, recognized for all the great work that he's done. And at the same time, the last couple of years, this Carnegie Initiative Summit was being formed, so it was a three-day event um, of the of the grand opening of the arena. There was there was some lifetime achievement awards, um, some trailblazer awards. Uh, my, my good friend Kirk Brooks, who's actually the founder of Seaside Hockey, he won a, a trailblazer award, um, and that took place at the Hockey Hall of Fame. Um, those pictures that I've posted lately. So so not only did I get a chance to you know, be side by side with, you know, guys like Brian Burke that came out to support, Um, you know, me and my mom got to hang out with the guy for a long time, Brian and my mom around the same age. So they were like, you know, two, two peas in a pot. And, and, you know, it was, it was incredible. Teddy Nolan, Ted, Ted Nolan was a speaker Um, all day Saturday. There was panels of speakers of, of, of like-minded people Trying to create ideas to make this game a better game for everybody. Yeah. Um, so the, the whole the whole mo of the Carnegie Initiative is for inclusion and acceptance in hockey, and it's not only it's not just about race, but but it's about women being accepted in hockey. It's about immigrants being able to play hockey in the countries that they go to. Um, there's, it, it's very deep, and there's lots of levels to it. And to see all these smart, incredible, creative people speaking on a panel of how they're going to make things better, I just felt so blessed to be there, being able to walk around the Hockey Hall of Fame as a VIP because of my connection with the Carnegies. Um, my mom was with me. My girlfriend was with me. Um, we all had a great time, and it, 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 was, it was such an honor to be to be a part of that initiative.
1: Yeah. And fabulous timing. I was talking about it as the elite league has just had, I think the national league here as well. They've just had their pride weekend. Um, with yes. a lot of the guys wearing pride jerseys to say that, you know, hockey is for everyone. Hockey is inclusive. Everybody is welcome.
0: Yes. Um, there was, there was a lot of pride representative represented at the, at the initiative, um, uh, Brock McGillis who was the first professional hockey player to come out um he was actually a speaker on on one of the panels right. um uh pride tape was was represented there but i don't think that they, they were actually there in person and and yeah there was um it, it inclusion it, it, it includes every every demographic it's not just not just about race although um, man, it was so great what they were doing when it came to the race relations with inclusion as well. The yeah. whole weekend was just fantastic, man.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's absolutely fantastic. Really good stuff. Um, so you've uh, obviously you come over here towards you know the, the end of your, your playing career. You played at the Belfast Giants. You played at the Dundee Flyers. Um, did you have a preference between Northern Ireland and Scotland? Because I know you are Northern Irish by heritage.
0: Yes, I... Um... We we cut out a little bit there, brother. Um but I get the gist of what of what you're saying. Yeah, no, my my experience my experience coming over to your side of the pond, um it, it actually was initiated by my general manager for the Rockford Ice Hogs. My last year in North America, I was playing in the AHL for the Chicago Blackhawks farm team. Yeah. And you know, I was twenty-eight years old and like that's usually a time in like for all the players that are listening they'll agree when you're in your late 20s that's usually a time when you're in north america that you know you, you have to decide uh, am i am i content with where i'm at or am i ready to see something different right and you know that was my sixth year in the ahl my type of role was on the downfall and i had just won my third ahl man of the year award and then here are the belfast giants who are the huge, huge community team in that country, bringing the communities together. And they were looking for a guy that was that they wanted as their hard man, but also a guy that would be kind of the face of the team off the ice, that would do all the public appearances, and that would really embrace the mission of the Belfast Giants, which, which I mean, I, I love talking about it. Um, when I was there, and I know it's still the same way, um, the, the British government takes advantage of this team in a great way, um, uses the team, you know, to bring the communities together. Um, the team on purpose is based on neutral colors. Um, the blue, the green, it's all neutral. The, the, the Belfast giant, Finn McCool, uh, is a novelty of the story of the giants that would step on the big rocks in, in Portrush, which is the the northern tip of, of Northern Ireland, yeah. and they would battle the Scottish Giants and protect the land, and it has nothing to do with religion. It has nothing to do with football-slash-soccer teams or different sides that could cause fights. Exactly. When you come to the Odyssey Arena, you can only wear a Belfast Giants jersey or civilian clothes. You can't wear a football-slash-soccer jersey, or you can't wear any colors that might might give the intention that you're part of a certain group. So what the idea is, is that two people from opposite sides of the town that maybe historically have been taught not to like each other can sit side by side in a hot and an ice hockey arena and celebrate the same team. And Oh, well, what does that do? That opens the possibility that we might be able to get along <laughs> and great life together and stop the troubles and, and that's what it's really all about. And I was all about that, man. I am still. But I was all about it. I wanted to do every appearance. I wanted to do it all. And, and so so we just had two sides that really wanted each other, and we made it happen. And that's when the whole sheriff thing blew up in a good way. Um, you know, I had the T-shirts. We had the little the little badges. I thought I, I did. I brought one out here for the show. This, uh, This sheriff badge right here, um we sold the belfast giants just for three pounds so even if i wasn't your favorite player and you had a different jersey you could put my my badge on that other player's jersey and support both of us right so it was great it was great marketing It, it gave me great confidence um i really embraced the whole you know off ice um adventures and and i'm telling you right now brother i know this is a very long answer but that really sparked up me having the media career because I, I I understood that I really liked being in front of the camera. I liked speaking in front of big groups, and I really want like to be the medium.
1: Yeah, now it's I mean it's it, it, you can tell it's almost like you. I was listening to one of the other podcasts about when you nearly went on to Sportsnet and you were going to be a sort of a, an anchor and a, and a pundit on there, and it kind of all went away. It, it seems such a shame. That's why I really enjoy that you do the Sheriff podcast because. Otherwise, they're just just—they're not utilizing your experience and your, your media knowledge.
0: Yes. So, yeah, and, and you know what? I'm really glad that you brought that up. So now we're in 2023 now. It's amazing how time has flown. The question is, as I always ask myself, you know, with COVID and whatnot, so COVID pretty much for everybody kind of the whole like our lives changing from it was kind of around March 2020, right? 2019, it was easing into it. March 2020 is when really they started doing lockdowns and restrictions. I know they did it in the UK. They did it here in Canada. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, that pretty much lasted until like last year. People kind of say it was about a two-year period. So now the question is, were those two years, now I'm asking you, my friend, were those two years the longest or the shortest two years of your life? Or do you even know?
1: My life didn't change. (laughs) that's all I, I carried on working and
0: yeah, yeah well, no, I, but I, I mean like as far as like, like I just, it, it just feels like those two years, like, yes, a lot of us were able to carry on and do our normal stuff, but it was, but everything was different in a way. The people that we had to deal with were different because so many people were so affected or, or they were for one side or for another side. to so the extreme and they're acting weird in certain ways. I don't know about you, man, but, there was a time where I could drive through downtown Toronto, and it was like a ghost town. no one was there where it's I, usually I, I, was I
1: was working in yeah. central London, and I was on my
0: own <laughs> right so but that did something to people that affected people right It's not just about these vaccines and about the restrictions it's just about our way of life changed and it did affect people and we have we have to deal with all these people so in reality we've all been affected now for me it, it was kind of like the shortest two years, because it was like a blur. It was like, you know, like I I was blessed enough to have a a full-time job at at a home hardware in downtown Toronto, which is like a home hardware is like kind of like a Canadian tire. Like it's like a really Canadian company. And it's like, even though it's just like a regular retail store, like people respect it. And you know, my brother-in-law was the manager and I was able to get a job when, when like no one was working and I felt blessed. I, I actually also started this, my podcast during the same time period. And, um, And, and I don't know, man, like, I think that, I think that, that we've really learned about ourselves a lot the last couple of years. Um, Those of us like yourself that were able to kind of, you know, do these types of shows. Like this is, this has been life saving to some people listening to these podcasts because there has been, yeah, dude, there's been record numbers of depression, of suicides, of domestic, you know, episodes in a bad way. And, you know, people, people have now like, like I've, like I've learned this through studies, people are now listening to podcasts more than any other time in the, in the, in, the, in life, and they're really being saved by it because they can relate to what we're saying, and, and it really it really cures them. It's their therapy, brother. So you got to keep going because you're our therapy.
1: Then. Yeah, so are yeah. you. So are you. It's well, actually earlier in uh, it was late 2022. Uh, it was actually your old team, the Belfast Giants, started the initiative. It's not weak to speak to try and get men to talk about their mental health. Um, yeah. And it's something a lot of the other podcasts pushed as well. I did. I, I chatted to our players about it. Um, particularly, obviously, coming from a, a group sport, a team sport, when you're in a group, a group of men, it, it's something that probably didn't happen in your day. It certainly didn't in mine when I was playing competitive sport, that you don't talk to each other about that sort of stuff. Yeah, but I mean... I think it's changing now.
0: It is. It is changing, and, and I and I really like the way that it's going. Um, I mean, before it was just we just didn't know. Uh, I mean, some of us did, but 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 the general in the general public, we just didn't know about all these things, right? Like you can you can talk about concussions, you can talk about like a lot of different things to do with our brain. We just we, we weren't getting into it because we didn't have enough information, okay. and now that we do. I'm happy with the steps that our game has taken. A lot of people like yourself have stepped up and awareness leads to action. So you need guys like yourself that are making people aware of all this stuff. And then that leads into action. Right. So it's, it's very important. I try to do the same and, um, we just have to keep going, brother. We got to keep pushing these envelopes, make the world a better place. Anything for the better good. Right.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I've got a couple of questions now that come from our listeners. If you don't mind. Yeah. Um, Uh, One from another Ben, not me, but another Ben, um, has asked, where did the nickname The Sheriff come from?
0: So, yes. Yeah, great question. So the the, the first time that I heard um, the the nickname The Sheriff was it was after a game in that notorious league, the LNAH. And I was at one of my owner's bars, our, our main local hangout after the game. And my owner was very happy with me. I think I had a really good fight. I think I might have even scored a goal. And he came up to me, and in a big, thick French accent, he said, "From now on, we call you le sherif." <laughs> so that's the sheriff in French. And from that point, it just it, it stuck. But like I said, when I came to the Belfast Giants, that's when it really came to light. That's when I really started getting merchandise and and badges and then and then having it like as a part of my social media name stuff like that but this is back in, yeah so back in 07 the first time i went to the quebec league um fred Tromblay is his name he was the one that started it so he gets the credit brilliant
1: brilliant uh, the question from my daughter jocelyn is what's the best fight you've ever had
0: oh wow well i'll tell you one thing the best fight i ever had I mean, I I would have to go through some video and, 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 and rank them, but I'll tell you, the most influential fight that I've ever had was with the Belfast Giants. And it was my first game against the big, bad Brad Voth. Right. Okay, of the Cardiff Devils.
1: went at it in the media, didn't you, before that?
0: Well, I mean, it was, yeah, there was a, there was what because what I was told when I got there was that Brad Baugh, like pretty much owned the league the year before like he no one was tough enough to really beat him and because he was such a good player getting first second line ice you know he was dominant he was scoring goals getting points and beating everybody up and he really had a great time against the Belfast Giants because I guess he just had really strong games against Belfast and he just felt really good and was able to just run everyone and just throw everyone against the boards and, and beat up whoever challenged them. So the fans told me, you know, the number one guy that you got to get is Mr. Bradboff, Mr. Bradboff. I kept hearing Brad Bradboff. So, so it's our first game against the Cardiff Devils and we're at home. And trust me, I had, had no idea how big of a deal this was going to be because I guess another, another um, part of this story is that the man had never been knocked down.
2: Oh, wow.
1: No one
0: had ever put Brad, big, bad Brad Boff down before, right? So I, I didn't know that. I knew that he terrorized the Giants the previous season, but I didn't know all these little things. So, of course, they start me in the game. like I was in the starting lineup. So was Brad. And I just wanted to get it over with because I just wanted to please my fans because it was still the beginning of the season, and I had to kind of earn, earn their respect. So I'm like, yeah. you know what? I keep hearing this name. I want a shot at this guy. I want to beat him. And I want to please these fans that I, that I need to be, part of my, to be part of my movement this year, right? So that was, that's where my head was at. So thank God he obliged because he kind of ignored me the first part of the shift. And then finally I gave him a little tap and he's like, all right, this guy is probably not going to give it up. Like, leave, he won't leave me alone, so I'm going to do it. So we were able to square off and everything at the Odyssey Arena, center ice, perfect scenario for me, right, as a new player to the Giants. And to be honest, I, you know, I did my regular square off. I faked that I was going to go right. I started left one, two, the second one, put him down. Wow. And that was it. I never got hit. I I only had to throw two punches. The second one put him down and the crowd went wild. I did my thumbs up and that was really kind of like how I was able to get the fans on my side that season at Belfast. And I was so proud, man. I was so proud seeing how pumped up these fans were for that, and I really realized, man, this is a lot bigger of a deal. This is a lot more of a deal than I thought it was.
1: Yeah, that's you like to share that night.: Yeah.: <laughs> What I'd like to do with you now, man, if that's OK, is what we do at the end of these video interviews with the chieftains players is we do a little thing called Chiefs Briefs. And I'm going to just fire some either or questions at you. So it will just be two answers and just give the first answer that comes to your your mind. All right. So, Batman or Superman? Uh, Batman. Tea or coffee? Coffee. Netflix or Prime? Netflix. Ovechkin or
0: McDavid? Ovechkin right now.
1: Bauer or CCM? Uh, CCM. Plane or train?
0: Plane. Uh, hot or cold? Uh, hot. Beach holiday or city break? Uh, city break.
1: Toronto or Belfast?
0: I go with Belfast. Yeah, <laughs> that's the <man. laughs> that's it. it
1: doesn't actually get that warm in Belfast, but it gets a little warmer than Toronto.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Are you having it
1: cold over there at the moment?
0: Um, well, man like here man i because we're doing our phones today let's let's give the viewers something here so there was a big there was a big snowstorm in, in toronto last night wow and this is this is what it looks like in canada right now i don't know if i'm if it's, is it upside down or can you see it uh, normally yeah, yeah.
1: it's on it's on the side but you can see yeah you can can see, you see it. it better now uh, now it's upside down
0: okay so this way <laughs> there we go yeah, man. So this is just, you know, whenever I did my Zoom shows, I do it from my mother's house in Toronto. So that's where yeah. I am right now. And yeah, that's the vision of the neighborhood with, this, with the snow. It's about, probably about two inches. Yeah,
1: so. it's, it's, a, it's a little icy here, but it's, it's pitch black. So it's quarter past nine at night here, so it's pitch black. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah. So what time is it right now where you are now?
1: It's quarter past nine.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so right it's, yeah it's dark and it's cold.
1: So, anyway, Sean, Sean McMorrow, the Sheriff, I'm um, so pleased that you joined us on Zero Pucks Given. I've really enjoyed chatting to you, and uh, and all the best for your podcast. I mean, feel free. Give it a plug, man. The Sheriff Post Podcast. Give it a plug.
0: Yeah, well, well, I mean, first of all, like, I, I just want to say how great of a time I had, man. You make you make the guests feel incredibly comfortable. It's very entertaining. This is a very good way that you do your show, because everybody's got to feel the same way that I feel, which is which is very welcomed and very honored to be on your show. So I want to point that out first and foremost. Um, I'm to do the same thing that you do, man. I'm trying to be like you with the Sheriff Podcast. Um, you know, I've been, I got about 160 episodes now, but doing it about for a year and a half. Um, I've graduated to live shows at a studio in Toronto, which is that bottom line. Um, I'm really going to be taking a huge run at the sports networks though, to be Mr. Sports Center soon. So, yeah. so I'm really trying to, I'm really trying to amp up and get on the best shows as possible, like 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 Zero Pucks, and um and yeah, man, I'm just I'm just hoping I'm hoping for the best. Um, I've been grinding it out for a while, so I'm hoping that that pays off. And you know, kill them with kindness—that's the best way to do it.
1: Absolutely, yeah. I so said we we hooked up because you you tagged me in a picture on Instagram because the Sheriff Podcast made it to number three in the UK podcast charts. Um, yeah. at the time we were sitting at number one, which I was just massively shocked about.
0: And yeah, I'm to like you, man.
1: Picture. So I was like, yeah, and that's when Danny messaged me and said, you know, <laughs> Sean would like to come on, and I was like, yeah, give me a couple of months yeah. to
0: get bigger, and then we'll get it sorted. Yeah, well, I'm so happy that today was the day, man, and and, and if you ever if you're, if you're ever in a jam, if you ever need it, I would love to come back.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, thank you, man. I really appreciate that. If I ever get back to Toronto, I'm going to hit you up as well. Oh,
0: dude, I can't wait. If you, if you come to Toronto, you better call me.
1: Uh, I, went, oh, I went in 2002. I was 17. I fell in love with the place. That's where I fell in love with hockey. I went and saw the Maple Leafs oh, wow. there. And yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it feels like a sort of like it's it's in my heart. It's a spiritual home for me.
0: Yeah, so, man. Well, Danny lives right downtown, about a five minute walk from the from the Scotiabank Arena and the CN Tower and all that. I'm yeah. I'm in the East End, so you'll be able to see it all, man, if you come.
1: Yeah. No, I keep I keep saying to my wife we we got to do Canada one day. We
0: have got to go back to Canada yeah buddy well say hello to your wife brother and and again thanks for having me on buddy i really really appreciate it
1: nice one man anytime real pleasure sean the sheriff mcmorrow good night sir
0: all right buddy take it easy man
1: thank you so much to sean the sheriff mcmorrow for joining me on zero pucks given i'm sure that will not be the last time there's much much stuff that we didn't even touch on that i'm sure we'll get to at some point so, if you do like your your NHL and your American hockey and stuff like that, do check out the Sheriff podcast on Spotify and Apple podcasts because it is a really good listen and as I'm, as I'm sure you're aware now, Sean McMorrow is one lovely man, so yeah, thank you for him to coming on and do do go and check out his podcast uh so now, returning from Lake Placid in New York uh, after the fisu games for GB students teams here's our number eighty one George gel. George Gell, how are we doing, fella?
3: I'm lovely, thank you. How are you? I'm very well,
1: mate. Welcome back to the UK. You've been out at Lake Placid, New York?
3: Absolutely, yeah, I have. Just got back on Wednesday morning, I think it was. Any
1: big crocodiles?
3: didn't see any myself, no, I didn't didn't see anything. Thought I might see like some moose or something, but no, nah, nothing. No. Nah,
1: it was it's sort of upstate New York.
3: Yeah, it was it was pretty close to the border. It was about forty five minutes from the border. Um it was good it was a good uh so we flew into J F K in New York City and then it was about must have been seven, eight hours on the bus from there. So it was quite away wow. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so I've I've spoke to a couple of people over the last week who were, who were in sort of Ontario and and Toronto, and the snow's been pretty severe up there. Did you see, see some of that?
3: Yeah, well, there was um there was a massive storm I think like a week or two weeks just before we flew. Um, I think it was more in Buffalo where there was like fifteen feet of snow in places or something like that. So I was a bit bit worried before we flew, but it was no, nah, it was all right. There was a couple of feet of snow everywhere, but. They got the snowplows out, snow out, so survives. yeah, they know how to deal with it over there, don't they? Yeah, a lot better than here. Yeah, yeah. all the roads were clear, all the paths were clear. No fuss. Oh, nice. mm. Cool, no problems at all.
1: So, so uh, how was the tournament then? Did you you get much ice
3: time? Yeah, I did. I was on. Um, yeah, I was quite high up the lineup and got good ice. Um, you know, we've probably seen the scores, so it didn't go perfectly on the on the scoreline but I was pretty happy with how I played for, for most of it especially the last um, the last two games it was Hungary and Korea um, did alright I think I got a few assists in them so I was happy but unfortunately we didn't didn't win any games
1: Nah but you were playing such high calibre of opposition that it's it's a learning curve I
3: suppose Yeah it was crazy like even there was a few guys that had done like GB Juniors but like that's tiers in the division and stuff, whereas this was just sort of anyone who wants to, here you go. Um, so with our first game against the US, it was a bit of a shock for the system, I guess. Yeah. I haven't, haven't lost first, that much.
1: Is it the first time JB have had a student set up?
3: No, so I think um, there was a little break over COVID. I think the last time they went was 2019. And then I think the games are every every two years. So the next one is... Uh, twenty, and end of twenty four, start of twenty five. Um, yeah. but they they have to like bid to get in, and there's like you know, um, so, so there was a few years where they missed it. I think before twenty nineteen because they didn't didn't win the bid or whatever whatever it takes.
1: Yeah, and I know you, you missed the game with an upper body injury.
3: Yeah, yeah, it was nothing serious. I just sort of I tweaked my neck a bit as I got hit in the uh, game against Slovakia. And I had a bit of a stiff neck, so I thought I would sit that one out. Um, yeah, was, so you,
1: yeah, you didn't do that playing mattress dominoes with the rest of your teammates down the hotel corridor.
3: <laughs> I actually missed that. Um, <laughs> that. That was the only time I wasn't there. That was that was right after our last game. And uh, yeah, I got I got permission to go because my parents came over. And yeah. um, so for that, while while everyone was doing that, I was in Montreal watching the Canadians versus uh, Panthers. Um, while they were trying to hurt each other with mattresses or whatever they were doing,
1: <laughs> it was quite an entertaining video actually. If you've not seen it, you can head on to the uh, the GB women's team. Uh, yeah,
3: they shared it as well. It was, was a lot. Uh, of, yeah. There was a lot of stuff like that, but hopefully most of it wasn't on video. Oh, they'd be in trouble.
1: Yeah, I can imagine. There's uh, all sorts of stuff going on. I think some of the GB, I think it might have been under eighteen lads that went out. Uh, into Europe early this year, and and one lad was sent home after a day, and there was multiple yeah. rumours flying around as to what had happened. But I don't think anyone heard the full story.
3: No, I did hear some of the gossip, and we we, we had a little conversation where they were like, just "Don't, just don't be like that. Don't end up no. on Twitter, Twitter or anything." But it we was,
1: were, kind of went quite viral actually on Twitter, especially sort of like ice hockey the,
3: Twitter as a as a little world of its own. It was
1: it was big news.
3: Yeah, well, there's nothing for much yet, so should be all in the clear
1: <laughs> so uh, how did you start playing mate how old were you because are you Nottingham born and bred
3: no I'm from uh, I'm from Kent um, oh right so my parents live about 10 minutes from the Invicta rink um, and then so I started playing I was about 7 or 8 I think because my my older sister worked at the rink and just fell into it I guess and my and one of my older brothers uh, started playing a little bit before me um, so it was about 7 or 8 Um Yeah, so I played it in Victor until I was like 12, 13, so a few years there. Then I actually came to Chelmsford um, as a junior, I think between, you know, 13 to, I think I was 17 or 16 when I left, Um, Then just bounced around Guildford, Romford, before I went up to uni in Nottingham.
1: So it was just university in Nottingham that got you out there?
3: Yeah, yeah, nothing else. I just, um, that was... I came up in the middle of COVID, so 2020 that I first moved up here, um, which is where I have a couple of years of not, not officially playing hockey on uh, on Elite Prospects or the websites yeah. or whatever. There's a little gap, but I was just in uh, in uni, skating with the uni team.
1: Yeah, so obviously in Nottingham have got the facility there that you can have at a uni team, which must be, must be brilliant.
3: Yeah, it's good. We actually have a really good setup for the, for the uni team. There's, um, I think there's... We've got five teams this year, and there's like one hundred and fifty people from the uni that play like it's tiered um and then we 're all in a different box um like university sport tier um, oh. yeah it's quite enjoyable
1: and is that in the uh, the Nottingham arena
3: uh We occasionally play in the arena, um most of them are in the in the small rink next door or yeah. in the same building in the small one but uh sometimes we play in the arena and we do for varsity, which. Have coming up in a week, I think it is Monday.
1: Oh, excellent! Excellent. So, being an ex Invicta player, are you going to be with the Chieftains for the Britain Cup final weekend against Invicta?
3: I will be, yeah, I think so. I should be, yeah. Unfortunately, I can't, like, haven't been down as much as I would like to. Um, I think I've played like seven or eight games, I think, so far. Yeah. Um, just but with being away, and, and there was a couple of weekends that I missed because I had some uni stuff to submit. I haven't been down but I'll definitely be down for the cup final big weekend
1: it is indeed big weekend yeah it's, uh, ho- hopefully actually the roster looks like it's getting it's getting thicker again and like a lot of people are coming back from injury and, and as you say sort of you know general personal
3: unavailability yeah uh, yeah should have everyone back by then
1: I yeah so everyone should, should start getting back there so is there any other sports you do at any level
3: um, not anymore when I was at school um, I played field hockey I was quite good at field hockey but uh, it wasn't for me, and uh, and then just school rugby, school school cricket a little bit as well. But uh, just yeah, just
1: on contact, isn't it? So
3: yeah, that's more of my game. I can have my head down yeah. and no one hits me. Yeah,
1: <laughs> that's brilliant. So you said when you was out in um, in Canada, you caught the Canadians against the Panthers. Do you um do you follow an NHL team?
3: Yeah, I follow the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, but I only really follow them because the last time I went to the US a few years ago, that was the team I got closest to seeing. Um, oh. So it's not really a, a great reason to to be to support them, but I do, and they won a couple of times in the last few years, so I'll take it.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's certainly on the list. There seems to be like a list of criteria of what it takes to support an NHL team, and yeah. sort of going on holiday within like two hours of one is definitely on that list.
3: Yeah, I mean, I should probably support the Canadians now, but they're... Pretty awful, so <laughs> yeah, stay, stay clear from that for a while. Yeah,
1: unfortunately, if you get stuck I mean, I started with the Maple Leafs in 2002 and I'm stuck with it, so
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, I've got a couple of questions that have come in from the uh, some of the listeners and uh, and some fans as uh, and some of your ones from your players, oh, team mates, which are um, mm. I'm not entirely sure how I'm going to word them to keep them clean, but. Uh, Mr Grizzles which I believe is Bear has just asked burger or
0: pizza? Um,
3: I'll say pizza because my part-time job in Nottingham is delivering pizza so oh, is that I'll, st- that, I'll, <laughs> I'll stay loyal to Papa John and say
1: pizza <laughs> yeah getting all them uh, that fat and carbohydrates in while you're studying yeah.
2: there's, um,
1: there's a question from Lucy Fay. Uh, I'm going to word it exactly as she's put it because I had to actually ask her what it meant was Smash or pass, Luca Tassadri. Um
3: It's going to have to be a pass. I'm afraid. <laughs> I have to check his date of birth on that one as well.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had to ask what it meant. I'm too old. I got <laughs> young, young person vernacular. And uh, Sophia the Sign Girl has asked, "Have you ever been snorkeling or scuba diving, and if so, where's your favourite spot?"
3: I have not been snorkeling or scuba diving, but. That sounds like something fun to do.
1: We've got
3: more warm holidays.
1: Is Do you tend to find yourself in cold places then for a holiday?
3: Yeah. Well, I didn't um, didn't go away for three years while well, well, COVID yeah. COVID. Yeah. Um, but I definitely need to get on some hot holidays. Catch yeah. a tan. I'm a bit I'm a bit pale. I need to catch some 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 colour.
1: Oh, <laughs> well, Dan Hitchens is, is is trying to muddy the waters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's asked if, if you can tell us of course because in the spirit of keeping this clean-ish mm-hmm. what happened on the bus back from Cardiff?
3: Um, it's not that much of an interesting story but I don't know why he <laughs> it, fixates on it a lot he's asked me to tell this story about four times since I've been in <laughs> Chelmsford but um, so it was uh, it was a few years ago in my first year in Romford Seniors um, when we got our bus to Cardiff and uh, we lost the game actually I think we were, we were leading like 6-1 and we ended up losing 7-6 or something so that's nothing to brag about that but um, then on the way back we inevitably had some beers uh, <laughs> and basically by the end of the journey I was a little bit covered in a little bit of vomit of my own um, <laughs> most people had moved away from me on the bus I think I was a bit smelly and uh I ended up getting carried off the bus. It must have been 4 a.m., 3 a.m. When, whenever the bus got back, by uh, by, well, my dad had my ankles, and I think uh, Ben Pitchley, the coach in Romford at the time, had me by the shoulders, just carrying me like a like I was on a An um, 1830. I was, yeah, <laughs> to the to the car for the journey home. Nothing, nothing crazy. Just a just a few, few too many drinks. Yeah, I can imagine that's quite standard actually. On on away days on a bus and
1: and the beers are flowing. It's probably quite a standard thing,
3: especially to Cardiff. It's five hour journey. You got to, it's you've a half the time.
1: Yeah, uh, I don't think. Do, I think do they have a second? Yeah, the second team are in the N N I too. So um, yeah, the Warriors I think have done that trip already. Is mm. uh, is also asked? Do you like whipped cream?
3: I do like whipped cream, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. I won't oh, elaborate on
1: that one, but yeah. Oh, in the spirit of keeping it clean, we can't
3: elaborate on that, though. No, tra- well, no I shouldn't. That, no, that, I, that, need to ca- I
1: need to catch up with Dan, actually, because there's something that uh, was on his interview that he couldn't reveal to me
3: to keep it clean. Oh, um,
1: yeah. We've not caught up for him to actually tell me the story yet.
3: Well, I wish I was uh, in the questions. Putting him under the bus a little bit there. If he's uh, <laughs> he's so keen to to put to get me in trouble. I might do the same to him. Oh, brilliant, brilliant!
1: Now we've uh, obviously since you've been with the Chel- Chelmsford Chieftains, you started off obviously wearing the spare jersey twenty. But whatever your number is, eighty-one. Is there a reason behind that?
3: Not particularly. No, I I did had eighty-one when I was a junior at Chelmsford, um, and since then I have sort of switched between eighty-one and nineteen. There's not really a reason, to be honest. I like to say it's because 81 and 19 add up to 100. I've
1: got some Chiefs briefs to do with you, mate, if that's all right. Just a few little random either-or questions just to answer as, as quick as yeah. you can. I've, uh, I've done some new ones and I've cut it down to keep it a little bit shorter as well. So, are you ready to go with them? We'll crack on?
3: Yeah. righty
1: ho snow or Snow or sand? Snow. Wonder Woman or Black Widow? Wonder Woman. Film or series? Film. America or Canada?
3: Canada. Cam or Grant? Grant. (laughs) Ice cream or custard? Uh, Ice cream.
1: NFL or NBA? NFL. Boxing or MMA? MMA. Well, fantastic. You got through that one he didn't stumble too much on the Cameron Grant one, which people don't normally like.
3: No, I might get a slash around the ankles next time I'm at training. Possibly
1: will, yeah. And I, and I reckon the ice cream or custard was actually just whipped cream, wasn't it? Oh,
3: yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, George, thank you so much for joining me this evening.
3: All it's right. uh,
1: thank you. Yeah, it was a pleasure to talk to you. Congratulations on your representing Great Britain's student team out in New York. And uh, all the best for the rest of the season. Hope you get plenty of ice time with the Chiefs. And, uh, and we'll see you for the final weekend against Invicta. Yeah,
3: I'll be back soon. See you there. Thank
1: Good you very map. much. Cheers, George. Thank you to George Gell for joining me there. Obviously, yeah, fresh back from New York from playing for the GB student side. So congratulations to him on that selection and to his play out there. You can see George's interview, Sean's interview and Shane's interview all on the YouTube channel. They're all available now. So if you just search at Zero Pucks Given on YouTube, you will find them. And you will see that George perhaps needs to get some better Wi-Fi in his student accommodation. Sound quality was great. The picture quality on our young Johnny Depp lookalike, not so good. Uh, the interview with Sean McMorrow is actually a two-parter on YouTube, completely on purpose. It's not like my phone died halfway through it or anything, just a just a good two-parter. So the fixtures again then come for this coming weekend. The for Chieftains are heading down to the Streatham High Road on Sunday the 5th. You can get on the coach to go down there. That's hello at champsforchiefs.com to book yourself on that coach. Uh, a little nod there to also check out the champsforchiefs.com website because there is loads of new stuff on there. Match reports, percentages and stats and whatnot. And it's a really, really good good read and a good good look. Another good read, is of course, is our free programmes that we get our home games. And Zero Pucks Given has got its own little slot in there now on the reviews uh, on the match report page. So, yeah, that's really fantastic to see. And hopefully it will spread the word a little bit more so that everyone that comes to see the Chieftains can have a listen to the podcast and feel a little bit more involved with the club. And the fixtures obviously come in this Sunday for the female sides that we we'll were discussing with Shane Mead. The uh, Pythons will be facing Oxford Midnight Stars at 4.55 and the Cobras will be facing the MK Falcons at 6.30. Both on Sunday at the Riverside. Free entries to come down and see the women's side if you're not travelling with the Chieftains. So episode 16 is in the bank. Thank you once again to all of my guests that have joined. Uh, To Obviously Shane Mead, the coach of the Cobras and the Pythons, who's joined me. Sean the Sheriff McMorrow. I really do hope that that won't be the last time he comes on because that was a fantastic chat. Really enjoyed that. And George Gell, our number 81. uh, Now back from New York. Hopefully we'll see him playing for the Chieftains again very, very soon. Next week's episode then will be out on Wednesday. We'll of course have a report of the Streatham away game. There'll also be a bit of a report about the female games as well, that are taking place on Sunday. And I will be joined by the Mayor, number 28, Danny Wright, will be joining me to discuss his extensive Chumpsford Chieftains hockey career. And I will also be joined by Nick Hyde, no relation. Uh, he's part of Live Financial, who are one of the Chieftains' main sponsors. So we're going to get his point of view on why that his company got involved with the Chelmsford Chieftains and, uh, and just how much they love the ice hockey because uh, I see him sharing the pictures and he's at the games quite regularly, so I think they really do. Thank you once again for everyone for listening. Make sure that you're, uh, you're liking, you're sharing, you're following and doing everything that you can do. Uh, the listening figures, as I say, are just brilliant. We've been joined by listeners from the Czech Republic and from Italy and Hong Kong, just all over the world. Just really, really phenomenal stuff. Uh, and still charting quite high in, in them UK podcast charts. You know, there's only really us and uh, 4,000 and counting and British Ice Hockey and three-on-three three podcasts, the British ones that are getting up there with all the ones that are about the NHL. So it really is just fantastic from all of you. Um, speaking of uh, those other podcasts, actually, uh, Nikki Watt from 4,000 and Counting will be joining me uh, in February. I believe it will be episode 20. Uh, so we'll be discussing Nikki's hockey career, uh, which of, of course was quite uh, notorious for certain elements of the game that Nikki enjoyed. And there will be coming up soon. It's going to be like a dual broadcast podcast. I will be joining the three guys that do the three-on-three three podcast that talk about the Elite League. Uh, and they'll be asking me a little bit about the, the players in the National 1 and the National that could possibly make that step up. Um, and I'll be talking with them about the Elite League as well. So my chat with them I will probably share on Zero Pucks and you can then go and hear the whole thing listening to three-on-three. Three. So thanks very much for your time and we'll see you guys next week. This podcast is hosted by Anchor on Spotify. It is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other podcast outlets. Subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts to get notifications about new episodes. Follow us on social media, Instagram at Zero pucks Given Podcast, Twitter at Zero pucks Pod, YouTube at Zero Pucks Given, email zeropucksgivenpodcast at gmail.com. The music in this podcast is taken from Spotify, and I do not own the tracks. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.
0: Podcast Network.